at the beginning, you're doing all those things yourself after six. You know, you get all the work done and then you actually start with the other work. And, you know, you figure out pretty quick that you need a little bit of help, even if it's just an hour or two a day to be able to do some things that you're just not good at. And that help isn't always bringing another body on as a human resource full time. Welcome to Access Points, the podcast where we discuss the tools, habits and ideas that can help you achieve and maintain the leadership mindset so you can reach peak performance. Are you ready for your all-access pass to some of the top minds on the topic of leadership? Let's get started. All right, good morning. Welcome back to the Access Points Podcast. My name is Davin Marceau, the Chief Operating Officer with Access eForms. And I'm here today, as usual, with our owner and CEO, Mr. Tim Elliott. How are you doing, Tim? Good morning. I like how you drew that out. <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it. Did you have to think about it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a Monday morning. Yeah, it's, it was a good weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend. I spent it uh, putting up the fence. It was funny. I, I actually saw you at the gas station and you, you look like somebody had chopped up your forearms. It was nice. It's a good look for you, actually. You know what, Tim? It's hard work being the heartbeat of America. I know. As a rancher. <laughs> it is. You're, you're officially, officially the backbone of, of yeah. America. What like you, that. you know, and you can just thank me when you, when you take a bite of beef tonight. Thank you. You can just thank us, American thank, ranchers. Thank you for uh, supplying for the food supply that you've created and your newly appointed ranch. <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners, all, uh, all the grass, <laughs> all the grasshoppers and, uh, you know, mice that you've scared up when you mow. Absolutely. Recently uh, purchased, uh, you know, like a, I guess a small ranch, 15 acres, and it came with an ag exemption, which by the way, is one of the greatest things that you could ever hope for. Yeah. But I've taken that as an opportunity to remind Tim on a regular basis that I'm now uh, the heartbeat, the pulse, the backbone, et cetera, of, of America as a tried and true, I would say battle tested rancher. <laughs> so everyone that's listening to this, when you think of that, you know, you've had this, this thing of him out in the, you know, out on the ranch and with a, a truck or maybe on a horse. No, think about him on a lawnmower with muck boots, shorts, a tank top and a really floppy hat. That's, that's where your mind should go with this. Absolutely. And Bose 7,000 noise canceling headphones is my hearing protection. Okay, because that's who you are. <laughs> with uh, playing various country music again as a rancher and I speak country music. You have to. But anyway, I digress a little bit. So, so that was, that was my weekend, but it was, you know, it's interesting having that menial labor, you know, growing up in Montana, you know, you kind of grow up with that stuff and, you know, having those kind of menial labor tasks to do certainly helps me focus as a businessman when I get to work. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. We, we had that discussion this morning, actually talking about, you know, kind of the weekend. And I, I can remember that back when I was, I was younger and, uh, you know, we get out there on the shredder, the back of the tractor and shredder and hours and hours and hours. And, you know, as I get older, those are things that I miss. And it was that, you know, those monotonous task of, you know, just shredding those rows in an open field um, allows you to think about things that you wouldn't normally get to think about. And uh, yeah, it's really good. I think it's good for your mental health. Yeah. And you're so used to, you know, I think when you're in a suburban environment, hiring people to come do some of those tasks for you, you know, hiring contractors to come, you know, mow the grass, hiring them to come clean the pool, hiring them to put up a fence. But, uh, you know, it, it gives you a nice reflective point to decide if that's more important for you to do because you enjoy it, or if you want to sub it out to somebody else. Exactly. Now that's not to say that you can't go overboard with that. Like when we had our first house, um, in East Texas, um, my oldest daughter had a pretty big bout of OCD 
and she would get some scissors and go out and cut grass in the front yard. That's not exactly what we're referring to here. Yeah, that's that's not exactly ideal yeah. because sometimes time is more valuable than money. It is, right? it is, but it made her really happy to do that. So I let her cut there you grass. Go. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's the small, literally the small things in this case, like blade by blade, the small blade things. Blade by blade. There yeah. you go. And man, what a cool segue into the topic for today. It's, it's a terrible segue, but I like where you're going with it. <laughs> hey, I, I, I did my best on this one. And, and it's, is a business, especially a growing organization, is the owner, is the entrepreneur, you have to make a lot of decisions about who you're going to bring in to do specific tasks. And if you hearken back to our very first episode of the Access Points podcast, we talked way about- Way back. Way back, like years and years, like two years ago to be exact. Okay. We right. talk about this idea of, of who, not how, right. and, and it's, it's a, a mindset topic that you talk about frequently and that you've kind of imparted throughout, throughout access. It's who, not how, and it's hiring the right person for the right job and understanding that oftentimes it's not going to be you. And it's a difficult concept for people to grasp because again, it's, it was your business, right? You, you love it. You were growing it. So you wanted to do all these tasks, but you know, inevitably you have to find people to help scale up the organization. And I think for you early on, contract labor was was something that you had to use pretty heavily. So I think it's a good topic to discuss um, the ins and outs, the do's and the don'ts, and um, and how you can successfully use contracted labor to help scale up an organization. Yeah, and, and let me kind of lay the groundwork for those that are entrepreneurs that are just starting out. It, it's strange when you have an idea and you start the business, you have this idea of what it can be. And, and usually you just start out with just you and maybe one other person. And knowing that, each one of you has to do everything like from billing to building product to delivering product, whatever it is, it's just you. And it's amazing what you can pull off when it's just you and you just have to, what you don't understand at the beginning is just how bad you do it. Right. But it doesn't matter. I mean, you've got to do it. And so it's to survive it's survival at that point in time. But as you begin to grow your business and grow the number of customers, you have to grow the, the people that are there and that makes it real difficult because you can't always afford another person when you need that body, when you need those tasks to be done, but yet you don't have the cash flow yet in order to bring another person on. So if you're an entrepreneur, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that, and you understand the predicament you're in when you're going through that. So hopefully we can cover some things today that kind of help with that. Yeah. And I think you get to the point, you know, especially as your organization begins to grow, opportunity costs start to come into play is that, you know, you may be able to market as the owner, but A, how well are you going to do it? And I think B, even more importantly, is what is, what are you not doing as the owner and the CEO to grow? Because you're spending your time kind of fumbling through a function that you're not really very good at. Right. And, you know, to your point, it's difficult oftentimes to come up with that, you know, the cash. And, and I think, you really, and this is one of the, the big discussing points about contract labor is it's not just salary, but it's the burden that comes along with it, right? right? It's 401k contributions. It's depending on the size of the organization, you have a whole lot more costs baked into that person than just how much you're paying them every right. other week, right. right? And that's where people really tend to use contracted labor, I think, early on, because you can get this person at a statement of work that covers, you know, X amount of hours, which is likely going to be lower than, than the person up front, right? Is, is, was that kind of your, your mindset in the beginning? Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, you're doing all those things yourself after six, you know, you get all the work done and then you actually start with the other work and, you know, you figure out pretty quick that you need a little bit of help, even if it's just an hour or two a day to be able to do some things that you're just not good at. And we've talked on the podcast a lot about really understanding what your strengths are and understanding what parts of the business that 
you bring benefit and value to. And when you're, when you're a young entrepreneur, you think it's all of it. You think that's how you bring value is everything that happens. And you have to, that's what you have to think. But the faster you can figure out the things that you're not really good at, the things that you don't do well, that's the list to start looking at. "Hmm, How do I find some help with this? And that help isn't always bringing another body on as a human resource full-time. Do you remember where you first looked for contract labor with access? Yeah, I do. What we tried to find is at the beginning is when we hired people, we would try to hire people that had the ability to do 15 things because we had to. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, where we were, and this is, you know, this is 20 years ago. So things have changed a lot. Right. But 20 years ago, finding an outside resource that was just a contractor, especially when you're in a town of 13,000 people in a software company, difficult. So it was really, really difficult to do that. So we would we would meet people or find people outside the organization that already had a skill. So one of the first areas we went and looked is, is uh, someone that really understood healthcare. And so we brought them on as a contractor to help us with engineering, with understanding healthcare and how healthcare works. We had no idea. We thought we did, but we had no idea. So that was probably the very first contractor we brought on. Probably after that was someone that could really look at graphics for us. Uh, I remember forget we had a um, a wonderful young lady who was doing a lot of I mean literally doing a ton of work for us, and she was an employee and she was doing everything from answering the phone to arranging things and man she was organized she was awesome, but we, it was just us and so we had to put together our first brochure and I can't remember where in the world she looked to to what application she looked at to do it but you know in in healthcare when you're outside of healthcare and you're looking into healthcare. You know, you think of things like ambulances and the front of a hospital or, you know, and, and looking back and it was really, it was, it was beyond cheesy. Even when we created this thing, it was 11 by 17 folded over, you know, we put it on, we had a color printer. And even then I look back and go, man, that just wasn't good. And it made us look worse probably than it helped us. But I can remember looking at that and, and she tried really hard, but it wasn't her strength. It wasn't her gift. And, you know, I look back and go, man, that was bad. That was the second area. We went and looked for someone that could do some graphic arts contracting work for us. And that's literally where our first, the logo that we have today came from that contractor. Well, I think what you're talking about is the need for subject matter expertise or domain expertise, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, you've, you've got this concept and the, the know-how to make it work, you know, conceptually, but you needed the knowledge to understand how it worked within the use case of a hospital, right? right? And, and I think, again, super common theme amongst organizations that are trying to grow is they're bringing in a consultant from the outside to give them the perspective that they don't have. Even if it's not necessarily building a widget or a thing, it's a, hey, here's how this widget or this thing may work throughout the domain that you're, or the vertical that you're trying to chase. Right. E- even down to finding someone that has used or does use what you supply to the world today and bringing them in for a day and say, we want to throw some things at you. These are things we're assuming. This is what those things are as a user of those, you know, is that, are we on track or are we off and getting their perspective? And sometimes that's literally three to $500 a day mm-hmm. that, you know, someone that their expertise is not a consultant, but they're a user. And so just to bring them, bring them in. Sometimes it's just a lunch. Hey, just buy me lunch. So it's things like that can really make a big difference in the assumptions you have um, as an entrepreneur versus the realities of how users actually use it. 
So, you know, early on, that's a really easy way, a quick way, and a really inexpensive way to get some really good insights on subject matter experts that really know how, how someone might use your stuff. Well, and you're building this thing, like it's your baby, right? And so I, I think you tend to lose objectivity, the objective view of, of how good of a product that this is. And, and, you know, I'm sure the organization was small, but even the most open collaborative of companies, it's difficult to tell the boss, Hey, like this thing sucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in context of how you want to use it in healthcare. And again, I think another, another checkbox for where contracted labor consultants is good is in that objective view of is, is what you're trying to build going to work where you want it to work. Right. Right. And a big part for what we did, which really has nothing to do with contracting that we were very fortunate and this part of, we didn't, we didn't have a choice, but you know, when we first started doing presentations and demonstrations with our product, I was the technical expert on the product and I have no technical experience or background or education whatsoever, but I, I conceptually knew how things worked. And so I would give that part of the presentation and I was able to be there, not as the CEO of the company, but as the IT guy or the, you know, the engineer. And I really wasn't that, but it, they thought that I was. And to get their feedback on what was good and what wasn't was massive to me. So playing a role inside the organization, which is not, which was probably not exactly what I really was, but what I was portraying to be in the presentations and getting that feedback if they knew I was a CEO, they probably wouldn't have said some of the things they said. Right. And so because I was not that to them, I was able to get some feedback that really, we were able to change the product almost every two weeks, just constantly nipping at it, constantly editing it, making sure that it fit with what everybody wanted. But with that being said, you know, there came a point in time where we needed someone other than me to be that because I really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I think another big positive element of, of successful contract labor, and I think early on in, in the access use case was they weren't doing the execution of these things. They were giving feedback on what it could be. Right. Right. And this is something we've, we've learned recently and really talked about a lot, Tim, is that the difference between a successful engagement and an unsuccessful engagement with, with a contractor or, or as a contractor is staying away from the execution. Absolutely. And I, I think we've had some contractors that have learned that themselves too. Yeah. And that was one of the negative sides where we end up getting with contract labor as an organization over time is we, we let them or had them not let them go from helping us conceptually, helping us with a specific subject matter expertise on a strategy or on a concept or on a deliverable and had them start doing. And right. I think even worse, had them start leading. Right. right. And those two things for our listeners who either are considering leveraging contractors or possibly are, is that's a big line in the sand that you need to draw as a company is keeping contracted labor or especially consulting labor away from the execution of things. Right. There are consultants that you can bring in that will help you execute on a marketing, you know, like implementation of Salesforce, for example. Right. right. But understand the difference between the two. Because again, where, where we had a whole lot of challenges over time is we eventually had contracted labor that was, you know, put in positions that they shouldn't have been and that can really cause trouble for an organization, right? Yeah. Even, even to the point of, from an HR perspective, mm -hmm. legally, you know, the, the laws say that there's certain things you can't do with those people and understanding those is really important, um, which kind of a, a side item, hey, having a contracted HR person when you can't afford a full-time one, is probably a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah, we, we learned that lesson too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Instead of, <laughs> in a, yeah, that's another good point. Instead yeah. of don't having, let a lawsuit happen to teach you a lot. Yeah, instead of having marketing manager slash HR, the person that that took a uh, a class in college, right, in the, in their undergrad about you know human resources, right, go find yourself a contracted HR professional because they will pay for themselves. I don't know. Jenny's paid for herself probably a hundred times over, maybe. Probably, probably so. But back, back to what you were saying, yeah, I think I think that's important for you as an organization, you as a business owner, entrepreneur to understand the limitations of that contractor or that consultant is just as important as knowing what the abilities they're going to bring to the organization are. So um, I'm sure you're going to probably talk about this real soon, but that having that really tight statement of work is the, the way this is going to either come across as a, as a success or a failure, but, you know, understanding what you need that person for and being very specific about what you need from them. And then you understanding that maybe look at these things in phases. Phase one is I just need to understand how to do this or how do we do this or conceptually, how do we lay this out? You might not even have anybody that can do it then ex execute on at that point in time. Well, at that point in time is, is this person even the right person to get into a phase two where they can help you implement it? Or is that somebody completely different? And a lot of times it's completely different. Yeah. And, and, I think that's a good segue into the, into the statement of work. And so let's just say that you understand that you need help with marketing and you've reached out and you found a, a potential fit for a marketing contractor. Now it comes time to figure out how to make it work. And this is where we've learned over time that an ironclad statement of work or scope of work, depending on what it, whatever it is that you want to call it is really vital because it puts in, I call it the left and right limits for what the contractor can do, what they cannot do, and then what your responsibilities are as an organization. And a, a well-written SOW is going to have time limitations on it as well. You know, one of the things that I strongly encourage our listeners not to do is to leave us an SOW open-ended. Right. Because then, you know, if it's not well-bound, if there's not time constraints, if there's not deliverables that are based on timelines, then what will happen over time is inevitably that contractor is going to turn into what is basically an FTE. Right. And you're just going to give them stuff to do over time. And you're, you're going to lose their specific value, their specific domain expertise that they're bringing to the organization. And they're going to get bogged down in the daily execution of doing the task. Well, on top of that, you're going to wind up paying a premium fee for doing non-premium tasks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you brought them in for their expertise and you pay, you're paying quite a bit of money per hour or per day or for the, whatever, whatever it might be for that, information and for what's in their head because they've done this before to actually make them or have them do things that, you know, could be done by someone else for a lot cheaper. You're burning them out. You're wasting cash. You're doing a lot of things and, and you're not really learning from it. So if you have them do it all, they leave, the task is done. They leave. You're no smarter than you were. Yep. And, and oftentimes you've, you've put yourself in a, in a precarious position HR wise there too, because you've given them something that should, if you start passing, passing it through that funnel of what makes contractor versus what needs to be FTE, you're going to find that person is oftentimes doing, um, you know, the work of, of a full-time employee right. and that get, that can get you in trouble. And I want to touch on the, the fee element of this real quick. I think what becomes a very strong allure of hiring contractors is you're not paying any burden associated with it, right? right? The fees are the fees. You're not worried about, you know, FICA. You're not worried about comp. You're not worried about, you know, having those paid holidays. You're not worried about 401k contributions. And that stuff looks really good on paper. But if you end up in a situation where most, I think most organizations do, 
where you have a, a contracted labor who really should be an FTE, if that engagement ends poorly and they call, you know, the unemployment office or they call right. the state or they right. call whoever and they come knocking on the door wanting to see what this engagement happened to be, you're going to find yourself writing a check right. sometimes for what you should have paid in overhead plus some fees back to the state. Right. Agree. And, and that's, and that's where it's important once again to, when, when you write a SOW, keep it tight for no other reason in that they're here to do what you hired them to do or brought them in to do. And then when they're done, they're done. Mm -hmm. And, and, and having something that's ironclad of what is done, which kind of leads into another thing of, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you, you understand Dav and I are very different the way we do things. I don't write good SOWs, right? I'm really good at writing of here's what we want to have happen when all this is done. I'm good with that, but the measurables inside of it, I'm terrible. And that's just, just being honest. I'm not good at that. You're really good at that. So one of the things you need to think about is if you are um, an entrepreneur, business owner, and you don't have someone that's really in your organization, that's really good at statement of works, you know, that's where you might look back and rely a little bit on your contractor and having them maybe throw a first, a first edit to you because they've done this before. And if, if you've both talked out what you want to have happen, get their take on it, get their SOW from them, get them to write one out, and then you can come back and edit it. So if you're a person like me, it's a lot easier to edit something that's out there because I know exactly what I want from it than it is for me to look at a blank piece of paper and start from scratch. You're better at starting at a blank piece of paper and start from scratch because you're good at that, but I'm not. So if you don't have anybody in the organization that's, that's good at it, let them take a first pass at it. That's what I've found successful in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And as a quick aside to that, you know, if you're a growing organization or if you're just one guy trying to contract successfully with somebody and you don't have an SOW and you don't even know where to start, look me up on LinkedIn. I'm happy to share. I'm happy to share the one that, that we have because it's well vetted through our legal and it's something that I engage with on a regular basis. So find me, Dav Marceau on LinkedIn. I'm happy to help you out. It's a beautiful picture on there too. Man, just it's, I think it's the only stock photo that I use on anything ever. I think, I think you found <laughs> one that really works for you and it's just all you see. It's just, it's everywhere. But you know and, what? I did the same thing. Yeah. And in a couple of years, I'm sure I'll take another one when I lose 40 pounds and, and we'll, we'll go from there. So, you know, I think wrapping this thing up, you know, we've, we've kind of went down some various rabbit holes with this thing is view it like you do when you hire people around your house, you know, taking it back to the ordeal on the ranch, I'm hiring somebody to come pull out all the poison ivy around the house because I'm tired of getting torn up by poison <laughs> ivy. And when they're done getting rid of that poison ivy, they're going to leave and I'm never going to see them again. Yep. That's a proper contractor engagement. Correct. But if I were to bring that person here and be like, hey, what do you think I should have for dinner? You know, what, what, you know, what do you think maybe, you know, the horse barn should look like, you know, and you start, you start kind of letting this thing bleed over into other areas. That's somewhere where that needs to be brought literally in house to have that type of discussion. Right. And so you as a leader or is the operator of a company view it through that same lens. Like, is it a well-defined well-bound engagement? And if it is, and if it, if it fills a specific need, then find contracted labor for it. But yeah. if it's other various things, then you need to take a look at bringing that in house. And that's a whole different episode. It reminds me a lot of where you came from before you came here. And that was the services industry. Mm -hmm. And think about last time someone came out to fix something with a plumbing or air conditioning system or whatever it might be. More than likely, if they were a pretty big firm and reputable firm, when they came in and looked at the problem, they came back and, and had a handwritten quote for you of exactly what they were going to do, what the work was going to be and how much it was going to cost. So if you go back to think about what is an SOW, that's one. I'm here. I'm going to replace this. I'm going to clean this out. I'm going to 
all the steps, all the things they're going to do. And here's a dollar dollars associated with it. And it should take about this long. That's a really good strict SOW. So what happens there is if they don't do that, you know, Hey, while you're here, could you also look at that? And could you look at that? And all of a sudden they give you a big bill at the end and you're like, well, wait a minute, you told me it was only gonna be around $500 and you give me a bill for $1,200. Yeah. But you also had me wanted me to look at this and look at that. And so now you're in a, a squabble, right? And nobody wins at that. Right. And if you want to see a good utilization of a contractor for us, go check out our website at accessefm.com. You know, we had a contractor who's very good in this domain execute that statement of work for us. And it turned out very well. Yep. And, you know, on there, you'll see, you know, chat live with somebody that's full time employee. Right. Because that, that's somebody who's bringing a specific set of skills or services that we need inside of our organization versus an external lead that is execution on a statement of work like a website. Yep. Exactly. Fair point. Very good point. And uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap this up. It is. Hey, uh, if nothing else, good luck on that poison ivy job. Yeah, I should uh, be rid of my poison ivy sometime around this time next year, I think. So let it be known on what is today? The day of our Lord. The day, today <laughs> is the is September the 20th, <laughs> 2021, 2021 yeah. the day of our Lord. Let it be known that Davin said he will no longer have poison ivy. Um, Ominous Dominus. Ominous Dominus, habeas corpus, <laughs> expo, expos factos. Yeah. Anyway, just random. But our listeners, again, we we appreciate your time as always. Go check out our website, accesscfm.com. And we look forward to the next episode. Thanks, Tim. Hey, thanks for listening.